This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. It's the Sunday Showcase on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that all children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. Good morning, everyone. I'm Jack Ward, and it looks like I made it as far as the elevator in time for the Sonic Society episode 751, Saint Nick Up. So I'll just I'll just stay here and announce our show, and that'll give me time to make it to the Mutual Presents show. Oh, gosh. For those of you who are new, the Sonic Society is the world's largest showcase of modern audio drama, running almost 19 years now. I'm your host, Jack Ward, and my co-host is off with family this week. If, uh, if I sound rough to you, <coughs> it's because I have a miserable cold. But but I do have a lovely thermos. Uh, this week I'm looking to get into the Christmas spirit as I came across the six-episode series, Saint Nick and the Big F-Up. So uh, Saint has quotes around it, um, or as they say down under inverted commas. So you can imagine that today's episode comes with the appropriate content warnings, but still remains a hilarious, heartbreaking, and heartwarming Christmas story by Phil Rickby. And it all, <coughs> it all begins right here. <coughs> Oh, this is Sonic Society. Oh, that one hurt. Welcome to St. Nick and the Big F*** Up, a holiday audio drama in six parts. This is episode one. I'm Phil Rickaby, the writer and performer of St. Nick and the Big F*** Up. If you enjoy this audio drama, please rate and review it at Apple Podcasts. And make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere you get your podcasts. You can follow along for updates at SaintNickAndTheBigFUp.com. If you want to post about it on Twitter or Instagram, use the hashtag SaintNickFUp. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at PhilRickaby, and my website is PhilRickaby.com. If you like this audio play, consider dropping some change in my virtual tip jar. You'll find a link to that in the show notes. And hang around for just a minute at the end of the episode for some important credits. Well, 
This has been a pretty terrible day. Merry fucking Christmas. The worst thing about all of this is that I'm not even supposed to be working today. I'm not supposed to be in the suit. I was so close. So close to making it through this little experiment without fucking things up. But here we are. So this is me, Nick. World champion fuck-up, full-time asshole, part-time mall Santa, which is ironic, because I don't even like Christmas. Christmas and I have not been on speaking terms for a long time. See, when I was a kid, my mom called me her little Santa Claus. And I guess that's cute, and it made me feel kind of special. I mean, I thought Santa was pretty cool. We had the same name, and so that's fine. Until the kids at school found out. Now, I don't know exactly how, but since Mom threw out the little Santa Claus thing all the time, it wouldn't have been hard. Like, maybe someone was at the grocery store with their folks, and Mom called me Santa or something, and they heard. Next thing I know, it's all over school, and suddenly, I went from having a normal recess to spending those 13 minutes running for my life. And when the kids caught me, and they always caught me, I was nowhere near an athletic child. There was a whole litany of torments they would visit upon me. If they were feeling lazy, they might simply beat me up. On other days, a group of them might hold me down while one of them forced cookies into my mouth until I choked as they shouted that they were fattening me up for Christmas. Other times, they might tackle me and sit on me while they all read their Christmas lists. Seemed to me the possibilities were endless. So what makes a guy who has hated Christmas for pretty much his whole life put on the red suit and start doing the Santa thing at the local mall? Let me tell you, if you asked me a year ago, it would have seemed like the farthest thing from the realm of possibility, but here we are. But maybe it wasn't such a good idea, considering what happened today. Christmas Eve, the busiest day of the year at the mall, the worst day to be Santa. I heard the child before I saw him. He had been screaming bloody murder for the last 10 minutes. I saw him as he came into view, throwing an arm, flailing leg, kicking red face tantrum while being carried, if you could call it carrying, by his mother. She had him almost over her shoulder with one arm around his waist and the other trying to keep him from launching himself onto the floor. The child was, truth be told, too old for tantrums at about five years of age by my reckoning, but he was nevertheless in the middle of a full-on meltdown. His mother spoke to him as she approached, still somehow keeping him in her arms, she spoke as though she was afraid of him, her voice just a little too high. Now, Preston, she said, I told you we would see Santa soon, and there he is. See? I knew as soon as his mother started trying to carry her flailing child toward me that I did not want him anywhere near me. Somehow I sensed that this was not going to go well at all. But I couldn't know yet just how bad. Like I said, I am a part-time Santa. Not the main Santa, no, no. Santa Prime is a real bearded Santa with white hair, a beard to match, and actual rosy cheeks. 
with a jolly outlook that seems just too good to be true. Me? I wear a fake beard and I do my best to act jolly and I'm never really sure I'm doing as well as I could. Most people have no idea what it's like wearing the red suit. They'll ask something like, aren't the kids all nightmares? But the truth is, it's almost never the kids that are the problem. It's the parents. Take a screaming kid, for example. Kids scream because they aren't ready to meet Santa. A bearded face is a strange face, and Santa's beard hides so much of his face that kids of a certain age just aren't sure if this shape in the red suit is actually a person. But too many parents just pick the kid up and plop him onto Santa's lap, the kid just screaming away. See, the parents are figuring that if they don't get that kid onto Santa's lap, then all of the time they spent in line is wasted time. And the kid is screaming and sweating and ready to just vomit out of fear. Given that you're dealing with children in a high-stress situation, when Santa has a bad day at the mall, it usually ends in piss or vomit. Or on a really bad day, shit. On an epically bad day, it might be all three. After a while, you get to the point where piss is nothing. It happens so often that it becomes just another Tuesday. You get pissed on and you're like, well, at least it's not vomit. Or if it is vomit, at least it's not shit. Even as a part-time Santa, I had my fair share of all three, and all of them were bad days. But none could compare with today. Like I said, I'm not supposed to be in the throne today. Christmas Eve is a Santa Prime Day, the last day for the mall to put its best Santa forward, and for Santa, the last day of his contract. But our Santa started throwing up the night before, and since you can't have Santa sitting in the castle on his throne with a bucket beside him, it was my time to shine on Christmas Eve. The day had been a trial. Everyone was in a foul mood, but nothing really terrible had happened. Until Preston and his mom. His mother was still desperately trying to keep the boy from falling as she hauled him towards me. The child was unmoved and continued his flailing meltdown, now writhing and twisting so much that his mother could barely keep hold of him. And for a moment, I thought she might drop him on the floor. She didn't. She dropped him on my lap. He didn't even seem to notice. His tantrum continued, arms flailing around my face, legs kicking. I did the only thing I could and launched into my usual patter. And what's your name, young man? Is it Preston? I think that's what I heard. Is that what I heard? How old are you, Preston? If the boy was at all aware of my presence, he showed no indication. Instead, continuing his complete screaming meltdown. Then, the thing I should have seen coming happened. He hit me. Whether he meant to or not, I couldn't tell. One arm hit me hard in the nose while the other slammed into my eye. Oh, Preston, we didn't mean to do that, did we? His mother said in her grating, high-pitched voice. Preston simply continued to scream and flail. I attempted to give Preston back to his mother, resisting the very real urge to just 
push him onto the floor. I managed to control that particular impulse, but I had to get the kid away from me. I heard someone say, that kid punched Santa, and someone else say, Santa's bleeding! And I was, profusely, from the nose. I tried again to give Preston back to his mother, trying to avoid any further contact with his flailing arms, when he kicked me in the nuts. And that was chapter one of St. Nick and the Big F*** Up. You can find chapter two in one week. Music in this episode were excerpts from Krampus Workshop and Jingle Bells by Kevin McLeod, both released under a Creative Commons attribution license. Some sound effects in this episode were from zapsplat.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week. Welcome to Chapter 2 of St. Nick and the Big F*** Up, a holiday audio drama in six parts. If you haven't heard Episode 1, I would recommend that you start there. You can find it on your favorite podcast app or at the website saintnickandthebigfup.com. I'm Phil Rickaby, the writer and performer of St. Nick and the Big F*** Up. If you enjoy this audio drama, please rate and review it at Apple Podcasts, and make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere you get podcasts. If you want to post about it on Twitter or Instagram, use the hashtag SaintNickFedUp. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at PhilRickaby, and my website is PhilRickaby.com. If you like this audio play, please consider dropping some change in my virtual tip jar. You'll find a link to that in the show notes. And hang around for just a minute at the end of the episode for some important credits. From second grade onwards, school was a misery. Before that, I was pretty popular, as much as you can be in kindergarten and first grade. I had friends that I played with at recess, kids who liked me. But once everybody found out about the little Santa Claus thing, everything changed. The friends I had disappeared, and no new ones replaced them. I had become persona non grata in an instant, and there was nothing I could do about it. It wasn't even my fault. Little Santa wasn't a name I chose, it was the name my mother called me. I blamed her for all the torments. It didn't help that she didn't want to believe that her little nickname could have any detrimental effect. In her mind, childhood was a time filled with nothing but joy. She used to say that bullies were only bullies because you weren't trying hard enough. Which, of course, just showed how little she understood children. And she never stopped calling me Little Santa, even when I yelled at her to stop. And it didn't matter how often I told her that I didn't want to do anything Christmassy, she didn't believe me. So I was pretty angry at Mom. That continued into adulthood. I was angry, bitter, and alone, especially at Christmas. 
That is, until I met Jenny. So there's a girl named Jenny, and she's amazing, beautiful, smart, creative, fun, and we are good together. And you know what? Jenny loves Christmas. Loves it like I thought only people in movies love Christmas. She puts up her tree every year on November 12th like clockwork and she loves all those Christmas things like she loves going to the mall not because she loves shopping but because she loves the decorations even though they are basically the same every year it doesn't matter she loves them so we brave malls and skating rinks and Christmas markets and she's so happy and her happy makes me happy. And that way that she loves Christmas, that joy that she has, it makes me like Christmas too. Suddenly it's me that can't wait to put up the tree. And so what if that's more because of how happy it makes her? If, if Christmas spirit isn't mostly based on making other people happy, then I have misunderstood the whole thing. So one year she wants to bake cookies. So we bake a batch of Christmas cookies, and when they're done, we sit on the couch. She picks one up, and she goes to eat it, and then she changes her mind, and she playfully tries to put it in my mouth. And I flinch, like hard, and it all comes out. I tell her about Mom calling me her little Santa, and what happened when all the other kids found out, and about how they would hold me down and stuff cookies in my mouth, and how I hated Christmas until I met her because of all of that stuff. And she says she's sorry, and thanks me for being willing to play along with her love of Christmas. And she tells me that, for that, I'm her Saint Nick, but she won't tell anyone. And coming from her being called Saint Nick is so different from when my mom called me Little Santa. Instead of being embarrassed, I, I feel so loved. And things keep being good. I'm her Saint Nick. She's my crumpet. I know, it's so disgusting. And then one year on November 12th, we're sitting on the couch and all the lights are off except for the lights on the Christmas tree and we're drinking hot chocolate, just enjoying everything. When Jenny puts down her mug and she says, I have something for you. She gets up and she goes to the bedroom and she comes back a minute later with this skinny box, just a few inches long, all wrapped in Christmas wrapping paper with a, a ribbon and everything. She gives it to me and I'm confused because we don't usually exchange gifts this early but she says just open it so i do inside is a plastic tube thing a pregnancy test but i'm slow and i don't understand what i'm seeing the little window is face up with two pink lines on it and i'm still not getting it and i look at her and she can see the confusion on my face and she says helpfully you're gonna be a daddy and i say are you sure it's mine? 
The smile fades from her face, replaced by the worst thing I've ever seen. Hurt. And Jenny doesn't say anything. She just gets up and she goes into the bedroom and I sit in silence, staring at the tree as my hot chocolate gets cold. Preston continued screaming. My eye, my nose, and my crotch were throbbing in unison, keeping a regular beat. I could acutely feel my eye swelling shut and the blood running from my nose into the fake beard and the pain between my legs. In a moment like this, you were tested. It's a moment like this that can teach you about the kind of person that you are. And this day, this whole day had been a test. My nerves were frayed and I was starting to feel unsanta like even before that little shit kicked me in the jingle bells. I wanted to scream at him. I wanted to scream at his mother. I could feel something vile rising up inside me, but I fought it. I held it in. There are things that you should not say under normal circumstances, and there are things that you should definitely not say when you are dressed as Santa Claus with an interminable line of children in front of you. And then it happened. The mother, Preston's mother, whose child has left me bruised, bloodied, and pained, insisted on a picture. Being a mall Santa is hard work. Harder than you think. There's a lot to know. Little things, but important things. Things you would never even think of. Like, when you pose for pictures, always make sure that both your hands are visible in the shot. That's for your own protection and prevents issues later on. And that's why Santa wears white gloves so you can always see his hands. In this day and age, that's important because there's this idea that some people have of the creeper mall Santa, the one that drinks, or worse, has an ulterior motive for having kids on his lap. I wish I knew how that thing got started, but it is something that every parent will think of when they see a picture of their little Cindy on Santa's knee and they can't see both his hands. So when the camera's ready, you make sure you know where both your hands are and get the photographer to check, and if both your hands are not clearly seen, you retake the shot. The first day on the job as Santa Claus is not like the first day of any other job. There is no training period. You hit the ground running and you are expected to be prepared, even if you're a part-time substitute Santa like me. You provide your own suit, your own makeup, and if you haven't grown your own, you provide the beard. You arrive on the first day and someone shows you to whatever passes for a dressing room, whether it's a break room that's been temporarily designated the dressing room or an empty office or something else. You get to work, making yourself look as much like Santa Claus as you can until someone comes to fetch you. 
You take the suit out of the garment bag and it looks a bit sad. It's flat and lifeless because it's been in there since June when you bought it. So you give the suit a brush. You brush the fur trim because that's what brings the suit to life. And when the suit is presentable, you turn your attention to your face because there are expectations. Jolly, rosy cheeks, a little red on your nose, some crow's feet by the eyes, unless, like me, you have your own. You wonder if you should have bleached your eyebrows, but it's too late to worry about that now. You get dressed, you put on the coat, you put on the beard and wig, and yes, you should have bleached your eyebrows. Oh, well, maybe you can do something with a little white makeup, but it's too late because there's a knock on the door and you are being led to the mall's castle and you remember to be on because you never know when there might be a kid nearby. And so when that door opens, you'll walk out with a smile in your eyes, waving at everyone, child or not. And suddenly, you are sitting in the big chair and all eyes are on you. You give your best Ho, ho, ho! And suddenly there's a kid in your lap and you forget what you're supposed to say. And the kid's looking at you expectantly, eyes wide and waiting, and everyone's looking at you and holding their breath. Then you remember that you're the one that's supposed to drive this thing. And so you say, hello, little boy, what do you want for Christmas? Or something like that. And then the first child is gone and replaced by the next and it is a conveyor belt of children until finally it's break time and you go back to the dressing room for a breather. You're a little shell-shocked but you made it through the first half of the day. You sit down to lunch and you eat your roast beef sandwich and you drink your can of coke and when you're finished you're escorted back out to the throne and a few minutes into that second half you realize that you have made some poor choices as far as lunch is concerned. And this is how it happens. There's a child on your lap. His name is Timmy or Tommy or something. And he's in the middle of this long list of what he wants for Christmas from memory. And you can feel something rising, like starting in your esophagus. And then without meaning to, you belch. Loud and roast beefy into the child's face. Uh. And the kid stops reciting his long list. And he stares at you horrified because Santa isn't a person. He's a fantasy. He doesn't burp or fart. But you, you just burped in his face while he was telling you the most important thing to him in that moment. He had been waiting for days to tell you and then you did that and now you aren't Santa to him you're just some guy in a fake beard and a red suit you had one job and that was the fantasy of a Santa Claus and you just ruined it you failed sure it's just one kid but that's one kid who's had the illusion ruined and so you vow never to do that again from then on, you are careful about what you eat and drink. You only eat things that are easy on the stomach and won't cause gas and won't give you bad breath. And that means you're starting to take this thing seriously. And that means you're on your way to becoming a good Santa.
And that was chapter two of Saint Nick and the Big F*** Up. Remember to rate and review this audio play on Apple Podcasts. And let me know what you think by using the hashtag Saint Nick F'd Up. You'll find chapter three in one week. Music in this episode were excerpts from Krampus Workshop, Oh Christmas Tree, There Is Romance, and Jingle Bells, all by Kevin McLeod, and all released under a Creative Commons by Attribution License. Some sound effects in this episode were from Zapsplat.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week. Welcome to Chapter 3 of St. Nick and the Big F*** Up, a holiday audio drama in six parts. If you haven't heard Episodes 1 and 2, I would recommend that you start back at Episode 1. You can find it on your favorite podcast app or at the website stnickandthebigfup.com. I'm Phil Rickaby, the writer and performer of St. Nick and the Big F*** Up. If you enjoy this audio drama, please rate and review it at Apple Podcasts. And make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere you get podcasts. If you want to post about it on Twitter or Instagram, use the hashtag SaintNickFedUp. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Phil Rickaby, and my website is PhilRickaby.com. If you like this audio play, consider dropping some change in my virtual tip jar. You'll find a link to that in the show notes. And hang around for just a minute at the end of the episode for some important credits. There is a unique flow to each day in the mall. Unless you worked in one, you would never notice it. But anyone who spent any time in a mall working with people knows that it's true. And they know that on any given day, you can sense what the day will be like from the moment the doors first open. The first patrons set the tone and you can tell what the prevailing mood of the day will be. But wait! I hear you say. Isn't it more likely that it's just a self-fulfilling prophecy? Doesn't the first person set the tone because you believe that they will? And I can tell when you say that that you have never worked in a mall. Just like anyone who has worked in any kind of customer service can tell you the correlation between the phase of the moon and the level of crazy the customers will display on a given day, so anyone who has worked in a mall understands the first patron principle. I understand your skepticism. I didn't believe it myself until I started working as Santa. There is a mood in a mall and the staff can sense it from the start of their day. And the mall mood is the reason I got into the habit of walking through the mall before any Santa shift. So that I could get a sense for what the day would be like. There was always time to get a sense of this because... Santa doesn't start the day when the mall opens. That would be a waste of time. Because there are so few people in the mall at the early hours after opening, and malls hate to pay for idle Santas. To management, if there isn't a line, it's a waste of money, and also somehow your fault, like you aren't magically generating enough children-attracting rays that somehow generate an instant line of present-buying parents and their accompanying children. Mall managers aren't known for logic. 
They are small people, masters of their tiny kingdoms with no power outside their insignificant fiefdoms. The first person principle doesn't mean that there won't be assholes or terrible people in the day. There will always be those. But first person does give you a sense of what the day will be like as a whole. An idea of perhaps how many assholes you will have to deal with that day. I used to know a kid who said that Santa should keep coming to the mall for the week after Christmas to take complaints. Now that I've been in the mall Santa's boots, I can say with certainty that this kid is what's wrong with society. Because you've been given a gift, a thing that was picked out for you, and all you can think about is complaining that it wasn't just what you wanted? That's not what I said at the time, though. What I said was, yeah. Because the kid who said it was my then best friend, Kyle. I say my then best friend, because once word got out about my mom's little Santa thing, Kyle became my chief tormentor. And while it's true that he didn't start the bullying, once it did start, he took to it like he invented it. It was Kyle that came up with the idea of fattening me up by stuffing cookies in my mouth. Every year, I learned to know that once the Santa Claus parade happened, it was time to brace myself because the next day, Kyle would be there with a bag of cookies. They say that kids can be cruel, but that's not quite true. Some kids can be downright demonic. Because these kids could have killed me. Kyle and his little gang of bullies would catch me on the playground and hold me down while Kyle would stuff cookie after cookie into my mouth until I started to choke. Kyle was a piece of shit. He tried to friend me on Facebook last year. Made me wish there was an are you fucking kidding me button to respond with. But back to Preston and his mother. I want a picture! I want a picture of my Preston with Santa! Preston was still screaming. He hadn't stopped since the ordeal had begun. His mother, however, was still standing in front of me, demanding a picture. I said, you're kidding, right? But the woman would not be dissuaded. She wanted her baby to get a picture, darn it, and there was nothing anyone was going to do to stop her. And here I was, with blood running into the mustache of my beard, and this lady wouldn't get the hint that her little shit just punched Santa, and now she wanted me to sit there and pretend to be happy about it? I was trying to figure out how she would explain why the Santa in her picture looked like he'd lost a bar fight when she pressed on. I want a picture. My baby deserves his picture with Santa. Her baby deserves a picture with Santa. I could feel it. I was going to fail this test. Before I knew it, Jenny was gone. She'd been in the bedroom a couple of hours, and I just kept sitting on the couch, knowing that I had fucked up, but not being able to face her. 
And then she left without a word. I didn't say anything. What could I have said to her? What could I do that would take the hurt away? There were no magic words that would do that. And I'm sorry, just seemed empty. So I didn't say anything. She left and I didn't say anything. And as soon as the door closed, I knew that that was the wrong thing, that I'm sorry may have seemed empty, but it was the first most important step, that yes, I had hurt her, but I'm sorry was the bandage that would start the healing. It wouldn't have solved the problem, but it would at least start us on the path. But I had kept silent, like an idiot. I called her right away, she didn't answer. Of course. I thought I'll, I'll give her some time to cool off. I waited an hour. She didn't answer. I, I understood. She, Of course, she needed more time than that. I waited a day. She didn't answer. Two days. No answer. A week. Two weeks. A month. Two months. Three. Six. Still no answer. After nine months, I tried once more. But she still didn't answer. I um, stalked her on Facebook. That's the first time I saw the baby. A baby with my eyes. My smile. My baby girl. From the Facebook posts, I learned that her name was Ashley. She was... So beautiful. I tried I tried one more time to call, but Jenny still didn't pick up. Her silence was clear as if it hadn't been before. She didn't want me there. And I couldn't blame her. I'd hurt her and, and she couldn't trust me. How could she trust me after I'd hurt her like that? What what could I do? Sure, I could try to get a lawyer and make her let me in that little girl's life, but would that be good for either of them to force my way into their lives? If I was her, I wouldn't want that. No. Better for all of us if I respect her wishes and stay away. And that was chapter three of Saint Nick and the Big F*** Up. Remember to rate and review this audio drama on Apple Podcasts and let me know what you think using the hashtag Saint Nick F'd Up. You'll find chapter four in one week. Music in this episode were excerpts from Krampus Workshop, Angels We Have Heard on High, and a very Brady special, all by Kevin McLeod, all released under a Creative Commons by Attribution license. Some sound effects in this episode were from Zapsplat.com. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you next week. Welcome to Chapter 4 of St. Nick and the Big F*** Up, a holiday audio drama in six parts. 
If you haven't heard the previous episodes, I would recommend that you start back at episode one. You can find it on your favorite podcast app or at the website, saintnickandthebigfup.com. I'm Phil Rickaby, the writer and performer of Saint Nick and the Big F*** Up. If you enjoy this audio drama, please rate and review it at Apple Podcasts, and make sure that you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere you get podcasts. If you want to post about it on Twitter or Instagram, use the hashtag SaintNickFTop. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at PhilRickaby, and my website is PhilRickaby.com. If you like this audio play, consider dropping some change in my virtual tip jar. You'll find a link to that in the show notes. And hang around for just a minute at the end of the episode for some important credits. The Christmas season was the worst time of year for me as a kid. Not just because of the torments I received from my classmates, but because that fat guy in the red suit that shared my name was everywhere. He was in every newspaper, in magazines, in books, on TV, on street corners, in store windows, and in malls. Every single mall. I couldn't go anywhere without seeing him. It was bad enough that it was the time of year that my treatment at school was at its worst, but that the cause of my misery now had to be everywhere? That was the worst. No, that wasn't the worst. The worst was that my mother had no idea and, quite frankly, didn't want to know. She made it so much worse because she thought it was adorable to get pictures taken of me, her little Santa, with as many mall Santas as possible. She dragged me to every mall in town and sat me on the knee of every Santa. I didn't want to be there, and the pictures showed it. The elf behind the camera would shout, Smile! And my mouth would twist into a grimace that could hardly be called a smile. And it didn't help that all the interactions with the Santas was the same. What's your name, little boy? Nick. Tell Santa what you want for Christmas. A fire truck? Of course, I'll do my best. Now smile for the camera. What's your name, little boy? Nick. Tell Santa what you want for Christmas. A Transformer. Uh, Optimus Prime. Of course, I'll do my best. Now smile for the camera. What's your name, little boy? Nick. Tell Santa what you want for Christmas. I already sent you a letter. Didn't you read it? Of course, I'll do my best. Now smile for the camera. Side note, I had not sent a letter. I didn't write letters to Santa, but Mall Santa didn't know that. It was my way of fucking with him. I was tired of being dragged from mall to mall so that mom could have another set of pictures of me with all the Santas in town. It was complete bullshit. All the Santas had the same script. What's your name, little boy? Tell Santa what you want for Christmas. Of course, I'll do my best. Now look at the camera. What's your name, little boy? Tell Santa what you want for Christmas. Of course, I'll do my best. Now look at the camera. Then this one time, I went to this new mall and it was completely different. Santa's elves all actually smiled and were actually friendly. And the Santa was one of those ones with the real beard, but this was the first time I'd seen one of those, and he was completely off script if he even had one. As soon as it was my turn, I walked towards him and he said, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I should remember your name, but I'm not as young as I used to be. 
I'm, I'm Nick. So am I. Now, why couldn't I remember that? And then he did something that no other Santa ever had. He looked at me like, really looked at me. And he said, you don't want to be here, do you? And no Santa in my life had ever paid enough attention to the kids standing in front of them to notice that. And I told him everything. How mom called me her little Santa and how all the other kids heard about it and how I was bullied every day and that this time of the year was worst and I hated Christmas. And this Santa said that a child who hates Christmas was the saddest thing he'd ever heard. And if I wanted, he'd tell me a secret about bullies. And he told me that those kids were only tormenting me because it bothered me. And if I could find a way to not be bothered by it, they'd get bored and give up. I said I'd try and we took the only Santa picture that I ever took where I was actually smiling. And his advice? It didn't work. But at least for a brief moment, I was smiling at Christmas. But back to Preston. There was a line of parents and children waiting, most of whom had been waiting for far too long. And the parents were all getting angrier because they are waiting and today will be a day of waiting in lines and this was supposed to be a quick way to keep the child happy while they bought those last presents for grandparents, aunts and uncles and whoever else they'd forgotten until just last night. The staff at the stores were traumatized from the moment their doors had opened and everyone was miserable. Christmas Eve at the mall. And there's Preston's mother, adamant that her little shit should get to have a picture with the black-eyed, bloody-nosed Santa that he's assaulted. And he was still screaming. And I couldn't do it anymore. She was still shouting about how her Preston deserved his picture with Santa when I said, Lady, if you think I'm going to take a f***ing picture with your f***ing kid, then you are out of your f***ing mind. And you could take your and stick it in your with a And after that, you could just go f*** yourself. And that's when I heard a child's voice say, What did Santa say? And I remembered that there was a line of children all waiting to see me. And I look around and there's parents holding their hands over their kids' ears and more than a few with their cameras out. So that's all over Twitter and YouTube forever. I took off my wig and my fake beard and I said the only thing I could think of. Sorry, folks. And I left. I tried to go on with my life without thinking about Jenny or Ashley. I really did. I tried to put them out of my mind, but I couldn't stop thinking about them. And it's not, it's not about Jenny, okay? I know that I fucked that up and I've, I've let that go, but Ashley, it, it's like as soon as I saw her picture, a piece of my heart went to her. 
And knowing that she's out there and I won't know her and she won't know me, that hurts more than anything. I tried to ignore it. I, I tried, but it eats at you. It gnaws at your insides. And no matter how much you tell yourself that it'll go away if you just ignore it, it, it never does. And I want to do my part. I want to give. I want to support my child. But I can't do that without forcing myself on them. Not, not without going where I'm not welcome. And then it hits me. There is one time of year when I might be able to give and get away with it. Christmas. Because I might just be able to leave some gift without making it about me. And so it's Christmas Eve and it's maybe 10 at night and I have this box of gifts that I wrapped. And I was never really good at wrapping, but this was important. So I watched a bunch of how-to videos so that I could get it all just right. And I put the box on the porch and I ring the doorbell and bolt across the street and deke into the corner of the neighbor house. I watch the door open and Jenny comes out and she sees the box. And she looks around, but she doesn't see anybody. But I put a tag on the box. It says her name, so she knows it's not a mistake. And she takes the box inside. I watch Facebook all Christmas Day until it happens. She posts pictures of my daughter opening the gifts I left. All with the caption, Thank you to our mystery Santa. And that was chapter four of St. Nick and the Big Up. Remember to rate and review this audio drama on Apple Podcasts and let me know what you think using the hashtag St. Nick Up. You'll find chapter five in one week. Music in this episode were excerpts from Krampus Workshop, Jingle Bells, and There Is Romance, all by Kevin McLeod, all released under a Creative Commons by Attribution license. Some sound effects in this episode were from Zapsplat.com. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week. And that's this week's show. Please check out the links to this week's feature and all our previous shows at the website at sonicsociety.org. Please join David and I next week, and I hope we'll be a more festive fair. But, but for now, I'm Jack Ward. Have a lovely day.
as being a Sonic Cinema production. Happy Holidays from all of us here at the Mutual Audio Network.